in your Bible tonight, if you would please join me for just a little while to the book of Job, chapter number one. The book of Job, chapter number one. And we'll continue what we began last Sunday evening entitled, What in Heaven is Going On? What in Heaven is Going On? Paul said we are not ignorant of his devices. Again, he said, marvel not that his ministers should be transformed into the angels of light. He said, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and Spiritual wickedness. You know the rest of it? In high places. What in heaven is going on? I know you've said the other. What on earth is going on? Or maybe you said another four letter word. In times of distress and Hardship and difficulties, even in times of uncertainty, sometimes we just don't know where it's coming from next, what we're going to do next, how we're going to react next, if we're even going to get through it or not. And let me tell you something just because you're walking close to God does not exempt you from heartaches. And sorrows and trouble. Have you ever thought of this? The tree that standeth, stands tallest is most likely to get hit by lightning. The closer we get to God, the more it seems that God tests us and knock a few more edges off. Because, see, some folks are not willing. To walk with God. So there's no edges needs to be knocked off. They're just rough and gruff and whirly and fleshly. And it seems as they have no problems. Not so with Job. Job chapter 1 verse 1. I read it last week but for our learning again there. Was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was perfect, upright, and one that feared God and eschewed evil. The word eschewed means shun or to fear. Oh, pity the Christian that does not fear sin. Pity the Christian that think they can dabble around with a rattlesnake and not get bit. Pity the Christian that thinks they can walk close to the edge, enjoying the pleasures of sin for a season, and not think they'll get knocked off the edge. Too many Christians walk too close to the edge. All they do. But not old Job, buddy. He knew, and everybody else knew where he stood. And there was born unto him seven sons and three daughters. His substance also was 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 5,000 yoke of oxen, 500 
she asses, and a very great household, so that this man was not one of the greats, but was the greatest of all the men of the east. And his sons went and feasted in their houses, every one his day, and sent and called for their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. And it was so when the days of their feasting were gone about, that Job sent and sanctified them. Oh, Job was a family man, loved his family. And rose up early in the morning, offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned. I would not have to put the may be in relation to my sons. I would say they have sinned. I know your sins are your sons are perfect, but their sins will find them out. And uh, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. Now was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came. Also among them. Like all the sons of God, Satan is a created being, created by the hands of God. God's got him on a leash. He cannot do anything that God does not allow him to do. And the Bible goes on to say, And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast not thou made an hedge about him and about his house, And about all that he hath on every side. Thou hast blessed the work of his hands. And his substance is increased in the land. Verse 11. But put forth thy hand now. And touch all that he hath. And he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan. Behold all that he hath. Is in thy power. Only upon himself put not forth thy hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. We need to let that sink down real good. We need to pray that God would not remove the hedge about our families. We need to pray that God would keep a hedge about our kids. Because the devil wants our kids. And the devil wants to just hang them out to dry, if you please. The devil wants our homes. And through our homes, the devil wants our church. The devil will do anything in the world to cause havoc in this church. And we need to pray that God build a hedge around our church. That nobody can get in that God does not want in. Nobody can get out that God does not want out. 
We need God to build a hedge about us. We need to realize also we're not immune from the attacks of the devil. We're in a spiritual warfare. And the closer to God we get, the more furious the devil becomes. Because the devil can't get our soul, but he can get our testimony. And if he gets our testimony, God gets no glory from our life. And it all boils down not to our families and not to our life and not to our wealth or not to our friends. It all boils down on who gets glory out of our life. Now you need to believe that with all your heart. God wants the glory in our life. Let's pray. Our Father tonight, I pray that Maybe by some supernatural means by which you could take these words that falls from my lips tonight. And Lord, uh, impregnate them in within the heart and bosom and soul of our folk. And may they take root deep inside. And may they spring forth, dear God, and bring fruit that would bring glory to Jesus Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. What in the world or what in heaven is going on? Really, who's in charge? You need to settle that right quick. Every one of us need to settle tonight, really, who's pulling the strings, shaking the leaves, and doing what needs to be done. Let me ask this. Who knows better what you need than he who knows everything? Then why are we griping about what's coming down our pike? Why do we gossip and why do we talk about this and that? Settle in your heart tonight. I'm not in charge. Settle that quick. I am not in charge. Tonight after we turn the lights off at Joshua Baptist Church, you've got to go home. And I ain't going with you. And I won't be peeking, but he will. He'll be listening to every single conversation. He'll be privy to every attitude and every word you say. What in heaven is going on? Notice, if you would please... Our spiritual enemy seeks our destruction. He's not interested in just leaving you robbed and stripped and laying by the highway. He is a roaring lion roaming about seeking whom he may devour. And our problem is we are looking down here when this is not where the war is going on. Job 
was not conscious of the conversation and the meeting going on in chapter 1. If he were, what, what do you think maybe it would have changed something? Not one thing. Because God works on both ends. Do you believe that? I said, do you believe that God works on both ends? God not only turned Satan loose, but he gave Job grace. We need to take a look tonight at a, at a unlikely candidate. I can understand why murderers suffer. I can understand why whoremongers, reprobates, fornicators, adulterers, uh, dopeheads. I can understand why they have to suffer. But I want you to look tonight at a very unlikely candidate. And I want you to take a look for me just a minute of what in heaven is going on. Now you may be the subject of the next conversation. When the sons of God gather around the throne of God and Satan is there too. Your name may be the one brought up. My name may be the one brought up. Somebody might say it's cancer. Somebody might say it's terminal. We all got to go one way or another. Come on now, turn loose. You need to say amen because I thought you said you knew who was in control. And somebody may say, uh, you're broke. Somebody may say next week, I'm sorry, we can no longer use you here in in this position. A wife may say to you, is that your nose or are you eating a banana? A husband may think that he is Tarzan just fell out of heaven swinging on the curtains, beating on his chest and yelling like Cheetah and looking like Jane and say, I'm tired of our relationship. I'm out of here. I'm done. You say, that wouldn't happen. (laughs) Really? You do know what I'm talking about, don't you? Yeah, it happens around here. Yeah, people have problems. And we point our fingers and say, I know, I know, I know. Do you know what's going on in heaven? What in heaven is going on? An unlikely candidate, verse 1. An unlikely candidate. The Bible says, and how many of you believe the Bible? There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was was perfect, upright, and one that feared God and eschewed evil. Job's character here is revealed to us. Job is one of the good guys. Job is the guy, 
in the Bible that wears the white hat. Job is the one who's walking with God. Job is the one who's trusted God and God has blessed him. Job is one who has practiced godly, holy business practices and God has blessed them. Job is a good man. Job is eat up with character. Job is a perfect man. Job is an upright man. Job upsheeth uh, uh, evil. Job shuns evil. And Job is a good man. But he's about to suffer like not many men will ever suffer. You see, Job is a good guy and bad things do happen to good people. And none of us are immune to that. He's accused here in the Bible of suffering for sin, but that is not so. Notice, if you would please, his very wife. Notice Job chapter number 2 and verse number 9. And the Bible says, Job is suffering. Job is going to be in sackcloth and ashes. Job is going to be scraping boils. Job is suffering like not many men has ever suffered. And you would think, bless God, his wife would say, hang in there, Job. Hang in there, buddy. I'm for you. Hang in there. Verse 9, then said his wife unto him, Dost thou still retain thy integrity? Cuss God and die. Wonderful help me. Wonderful encourager. The Bible said that three of Job's friends came. And Job here is suffering like not any, not many ever has. Job chapter 4, verse 7, if you would please. And the Bible says his friend Eliphaz. You got, name, you got names like that and they're your friends. You deserve everything you get. <laughs> Notice verse number 1. And then Eliphaz, the Temanite, answered and said, verse number 7. Remember, I pray thee, whoever perished being innocent. Job. Don't tell me you're innocent. Don't tell me you're free from sin. Don't tell me you're a righteous man. Don't tell me that. Whoever suffered like you are suffering because they're innocent. How would, don't you just love friends like that? Don't you just love friends that tells you that it's your fault? Don't you just love friends say, well, if you'd have been better, you, you, this wouldn't happen to you. Can you get better than Job? Look again, if you would, please, to Job chapter number 8. And his friend Bildad said about the same thing. And I'm just saying, here is an unlikely candidate Job, because his character is, is unblemished. His character is above, above board. And here... He is about to have a bad day. Notice verse 8, his consistency. You know one thing about Job? He wasn't a part-time believer. (laughs) He was a full-time, every day, every hour Christian. Job just didn't put on his go to Sunday meeting clothes. Job was going to meet God every single day. 
I mean, Job had character up to here. His consistency was far above those. And he is the most unlikely candidate to be suffering what he's about to suffer. Because there's something going on in heaven that he knows nothing about. Job didn't even get a vote. There's just something going on up there. That Job don't know anything about. I wonder. Has your name brought up? Been brought up in. In heaven. Has any of us ever been felt worthy of God. To have Satan consider. Our name. You say surely the way I'm suffering. I must. Be on God's hit list and I must be sitting next door to Job. And I know that my name is in the portals right up by Job. Why do people suffer? Can I give you four reasons why people suffer? Number one, people suffer because of their sins and foolish decisions. If you're going to run a red light in Burleson, you ought to have enough sense to not run it where there's a camera. And I know you're not raping anybody and you're not robbing any banks and you're not going to steal anybody's children. And I know you're not going to kidnap the Pope. Hey, look, you just run a red light. And that's against the law. Some people suffer because of their dumb decisions. And boy, have I made my share of them. Some folks suffer because of their sins. Be sure your sins will find you out. You cannot smoke all your life without there being a slight chance you might get lung cancer. You cannot... You cannot gape on the internet looking at dirty, vile, ugly pictures without maybe it might affect you one of these days and make your wife feel like a tramp because you're trying to satisfy your fleshly desires in other avenues except the way God wants you to do it. Some folks suffer because of their sins and dumb decisions. Would you say amen to that? Yes, I said, would you say amen to that? Is there anybody here ever sinned and made a bad decision? Yes, sir. We were still in watermelons one night. I mean, uh, harvesting watermelons. When we were just kids. And my cousin Stud lost his wallet in the watermelon patch. Now that's probably a pretty good evidence that somebody's been there. <laughs> Have you ever heard about? Did you hear about the guy that was going to invade a bee's nest? And so to protect himself, he put a plastic bag over his head to protect himself and suffocate himself to death. People suffer because of sin. 
because of dumb decisions. Would everybody grant that? So now tonight, just because you're suffering, don't mean you're so holy and walking so straight with God that you're so close to God that God has picked you out as one of those that he might get glory from. You might be suffering tonight because you're the one that said, I do, or I didn't, or I'll try, or I won't, or maybe. We suffer because of sin. And dumb decisions that we make. Then sometimes we suffer because of sins and dumb decisions that others make and we get involved in it. Is that right? Now I know you've not been in too many gang fights, but that's when you get involved in somebody else's problem. And sometimes it don't come out right. (laughs) Sometimes you said, boy, I wish I'd stayed home. I was president of a gang in California. A loving bunch of guys. They loved me with all their heart. One day they gave me four tires for my car for my birthday. Police caught me putting them on and took me to jail for hot tires. Sometimes we suffer because of somebody else's dumb decision and sin than we get involved in. When actually it's none of our business. <laughs> that one went over kind of like a Dead toad frog, didn't it? Can I have an amen? amen? Sometimes we suffer because of somebody else's sin and dumb decisions. We're not having fun, I can tell that. Sometimes we suffer so that God may test our faith. That's what he did to Abraham when he said, take thy son, thy only son. Now listen, the one that thou lovest and take him to a mountain that I will show thee and take him there and sacrifice him to me. That is a test of faith. And by the way, let me ask something. Has God done anything in your life lately to test your faith? If he has, you ought to thank God for it. Because he's still working on you. Aren't you glad of that? Just sometimes he sends something down the road to check our water. And lastly, we suffer that he might get glory out of our life. And that's the main reason. And that's the reason Job is about to suffer like not many men ever have. You see, Job here in this book is fighting the battle of his life. He's fighting not because he dishonors God. He's fighting not because he has turned his back on God. He's fighting and he's troubled and he's having 
problem because of his love for God, his willing to walk with God and his desire to do the will of God. That's why Job is suffering. And if I suffer, bless God, that's why I want to suffer. I do not want to be one of those turncoats. And may I say to you today, it was a most unlikely candidate. Job, a perfect, upright man who feared God and eschewed evil. He's about to have a bad day. An unlikely candidate. Secondly, an unseen conflict. Verses 6 through 12. Let me read them for you. An unseen conflict. The Bible says in chapter 1. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan came also among them. Give an account of themselves to their maker. And the Lord said unto Satan, Which comest thou? Then Satan answered in the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? Just think about that. A perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast thou not made a hedge about him, about his house, and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thy hand now, and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. While Job was living down here, honoring God with his life, while everything seemed hunky-dory and Job was sitting atop the economic ladder of his day, everything he touched God blessed. A hedge was about his house. No conflicts with the kids. Well, that'd be a blessing, wouldn't it? And while everything is going right down here, there is a heavenly assembly taking place. Verse 6. A heavenly assembly is taking place. Unknown to Job, unseen by Job, unexpected by Job. And somebody says, Hast thou considered my servant Job? Family healthy. Economically blessed beyond anybody in the East. All of the folks that drove by Brother Job's plantation 
said, man, I wish I was Job. And all the time, a meeting is going on. And somebody says to Satan, the deceiver, the murderer, the liar, the roaring lion, Apollyon, the Antichrist, the Antigod, the most vilest being in all the earth. Somebody said to him, how would you like to take everything Job has? How would you like to see Job in the bankrupt court tomorrow? He said, if you'll turn me loose on what Job has, he'll curse you to your face. I wonder what it would take for us to get out of church. I mean, just what great big thing to come down the pike to rattle our cage. A heavenly assembly is going on. Notice verse 7, who speaks first. Notice in verse 12, who speaks last. Notice if you would please in verse 12, who left heaven. Isn't that something? A heavenly assembly, a heavenly acknowledgement, and I'll close a heavenly accusation. Satan's true nature comes out when he says, the only reason Job is serving you because you've blessed him. If you let me take those blessings, Job will curse you to your face. You know, Satan must have knew some Baptist friends of mine. Don't take much to move us. <laughs> Mama burns the biscuits and we miss church. Amen, Reverend. Don't take much for us to change. Crowd gets down, we get us a praise team. We'll do anything, even go to the flesh to try to do what we need to do. Notice, if you would please, Satan's true nature, 9, verses 9 through 12, and here it is. And he says, Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? You know what he told God? God, you have got... Job bought and paid for. The only reason Job is blessing you, I mean, serving you and honoring you, is because you've blessed him. But if you'll let me touch what he has, he'll curse you to your face. You see, I just believe with all my heart that Satan 
is the accuser of a brethren. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 10. He's a passionate prosecuting attorney. He's continually going before God, accusing you and I and all of God's saints of coming up short, doing it for the wrong reason, and Satan is always there accusing you and I before the throne of God. Have you read 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1? And the Bible says, and we have an advocate with the Father, the Son, Christ Jesus. Amen. Satan points his finger at Jim and says, well, look at old Jim. And Jesus said, yeah, look at the blood. It's all over him. He's been saved and washed and forgiven. Thank God I have a, I have a defense attorney that can blow the prosecuting attorney away. And I'm glad, bless your heart, That my God is still in charge. Now, next week, Job will have a bad day. Next week, it leaves heaven and comes home. Next week, it's not hearsay. Next week, it's the real thing. Next week, messenger after messenger after messenger. On one day, absolutely puts Job to the bottom of the economic ladder. And I want you to know this, and you need to realize this. When Job had lost all of his friends and all of his finances and all of his family, you need to ask yourself the question, What did he have left to live for? Because in the world in which we live, that's enough to make most of us just give up. Most of us now, not just one, all of us. Because we put such high value in family, friends, and finances. But it's not about family, friends, and finances. It's about Him. It's about He who loves you and me beyond measure. It's about somebody that came and died in our place that we might live in His place. It's about someone who was righteous, who became sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. And it's not about family. It's not about friends. It's not about finances. But I'll bet you, you lose either one of them and it'll affect you. And it should affect you and naturally it would. But then we come to a place where we realize the Lord giveth And the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And in verse 20, the Bible said, Job worshiped. Instead of complaining, instead of giving up, instead of pointing his finger, 
Instead of getting riled up. The Bible said Job. After it was all gone. Everything but his health. Everything. The Bible said that Job worshipped the Lord. What in heaven is going on? You kind of feel like there's been a meeting in heaven about you? Kind of feel like maybe the devil's been shooting at you? It might be a physical pain. It might be a physical ailment. It might be a domestic situation. It might be an economic. It might be a domestic. It might be an a economic deal. God cares about you. And we need to realize the Lord giveth and the Lord does what? Taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I buried my daddy, preached his funeral, and sung his special. And I said at the funeral, hope God's getting even with you for all the times you whooped me at the wrong time. You said you wouldn't. Sure I wouldn't. Sure I wouldn't. Not a sad day when a saint of God goes home. It's a glad day, man. It's a glad day. Be no more meetings in heaven about my dad. He's there adjoining the meeting. Now, I just wonder, now think about this. What if you're the subject of the next meeting in heaven? 